All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's leading. To the line, Hughes, Jones! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, and that will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, check them out on all of those social media platforms, give them a follow, and Go check out their retail location in Surrey. Our promo code works in person. If you go up there and you say Canucks Convo sent me, I'm using promo code Hockey Season. Gets you $5 off your order. But if you don't want to venture out there and go to Zephyr Epic, you can shop online. Because online, it's free shipping anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 from... This is a good one here. From Squamish to Sweet Bay. Ooh, very good. Sweet Bay, Newfoundland. From Squamish to Sweet Bay, Zephyr Epic ships free. 
Even on, if you're in Sweet Bay over in Newfoundland, they'll ship to you. On any order over $50, so go check out ZephyrEpic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R-Epic.com. We are also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital Ds, all one word. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Guadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, doing his best impression of a traffic cone, Chris Faber. What's going on? Not much. We've got the video going today. Yeah, we'll see if it ends up working. And I think also- we should post that intro because I just crushed that intro. Okay. With the with the sponsor plug, post on the Canucks Army TikTok. See what happens. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Hopefully the video works because we pumped the video on the Patreon and yes. uh, it didn't end up working. So we'll figure out uh, we if that's We had a good Patreon working. episode too. We did. We and you know really what? Good one. We'll get to this. Uh, we'll get to this whole Kodak twerking or whatever was going <laughs> on in there. But that's what I was talking about on the Patreon. That's literally what I was talking about on the Patreon before this even happened and took over the hockey world. I was telling you about grinding and bumping and grinding in the club. You were telling me, and, and I was Harman. saying, you know what? What you saw last night at Florida game, I seen worse at Nanaimo clubs. That's why I texted you. And you asked think if, that was bad? That's why I texted you and asked if Kodak Black was from Nanaimo. Yeah, and I said I've seen I've seen that exact move before at uh, Level Two Club Nightclub in uh, Nanaimo. Level Two and upstairs the other. That's Victoria, yes. and I think they changed names. Ah, gotcha. There was a club down in Victoria, and it was called Upstairs. It was called Boutique for a little bit. Remember, no free ads. Yeah, I know because well, that's the thing. They they changed their name. Like when I was in Victoria going to school, they changed their name like every three months. It was the hip wow. thing to do to. You know, I think they were called like uh, liquid at one point, boutique, and liquid. upstairs made the most sense. I told you, you got to walk up two flights of stairs. I used to sit. Sometimes I'd go to that club and I'd be on my way out, and I'd be standing there with a security guard, just making chit chat. And he'd be like, "Watch." He's like, "Watch this, dude." We, I remember sitting there with a security guard one time. We're just chit chatting, blah blah blah. At the end of the night, it's like two in the morning, and he's like, "You sit here for five minutes. I guarantee you, someone falls down these stairs." And it was like this big double flight okay. of stairs and i sat there for five minutes and no kidding somebody fell down the stairs within the first like two or three minutes of me standing there with security and then he's like i told you oh my god i was like yeah it, it was a bad setup it was two big flights to get up into this club and then you have to leave at two in the morning yeah it was a dangerous little setup there for sure wow that is a dangerous little setup that does sound dangerous i forgot let me go back to doordash here for a second i ordered doordash the other day i don't think we've ever talked about this people want to i see people throwing out they want the farbies they want the food uh the food segment or whatever we've talked about it i've got night well i I have one little one i want to throw up because of doordash because i used doordash the other day to get this i got my dash pass the dash pass is legit saves you a bunch of money especially if you're ordering doordash a lot like uh like i am um so I ordered Burger King the other day. I got a couple of Junior Whoppers, you know, a few bucks. Those those were okay. But I, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. The dill pickle chicken nuggets are so good, but they will smell up whatever room you're in. They have dill pickle flavored nuggets at Burger we've King. We've talked about this. I don't yeah. think on a podcast, but we've talked about these. You've had them before. That wasn't your first time nope, having them. This was my third time having them. Yeah. I would hit I, I hit it a couple times coming back from uh, from Abbotsford. I remember you telling me King. about these. They are very good. They like they had all dressed ones that were like okay, but they have dill pickle chicken nuggets. They're only they're cheap too. Like you get eight of them for like a couple bucks, and uh, yeah, they smell up a full room. But they really give you that full dill pickle experience. I got them on DoorDash the other day. That full dill pickle experience. You heard it here first, folks. So go check out DoorDash. Long long winded DoorDash ad, which we appreciate. But let's hop into it. We've got some Vancouver Canucks stuff to talk about, Chris. Vancouver Canucks lose 5-2 to two to the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night. I guess just your overall assessment of the game. Just start there because we're putting this out on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, I think uh, it, you know coming back from not playing for 10 days, they didn't want to use it as an excuse. But I don't think that the effort was really the problem. It just felt like the execution against a team like that. You know, a team like that's been thrown around with the Vancouver Canucks in the past. But it felt like it was used in the opposite direction where a team like Florida man, are they ever good at just capitalizing on their offense? And you could just see how how well they they just attack the net, w- whether it be with players with the puck or without the puck. When a shot's coming, the Florida Panthers are, are in the goaltender's face. And I mean, Thatcher Demko, I don't think was bad. I think there's one or two that he probably wanted to have back. But some of those shots, like a good scoring opportunity for the Panthers, all of their scoring chances, it felt like there was a guy in front of the net, like screening or tipping or getting a stick on something. I, I can see why this Panthers team is so good. They 
they're just so aggressive the way that they go at the net. And I think that was something that uh, was a tall task to ask for the Vancouver Canucks to come in and do that after the break that they've had to go through after having players on COVID, not playing games for a long time. And I thought the Canucks effort level was pretty good. It just, it felt like the looking at scoring chances, they were very different the way the Canucks were getting chances compared to what Florida was doing. And I think it reflected in the shots as well. Cause what Vancouver had like 46, 47 shots or something. They something really like outshot Florida, but a lot of them were, were to me, it reminded me of the shots that we would see on a Travis green where it was point shots with no guys in front of the net, not a lot of danger on their shots, but it just, it felt it felt like the Canucks effort level was there, which was good. It just felt like that team didn't have the execution like the Florida Panthers did. That's a really good team. That's a really good team. And they're about to see a team that's probably better than them in the Tampa Bay Lightning. This road trip is going to be really tough. Like I think people obviously talked about it going into this road trip. That it was going to be a really tough ride. Five of the six best teams in the league is who they're playing on this road trip. And, you're obviously going to see that in game one in Florida, a team that I think it was 19 of their 22 home games. They've won. What a stat that is. Could you imagine the Vancouver Canucks won 19 of their first 22 home games? It would be amazing. Going to a Canucks game would be incredible. I mean, you'd be like, you see how much fun they're having at the Florida arena last night. And it's because of their, some of it because they're on a great uh, win streak. All right. We're going to talk about this. If you have kids in the car, if you, if you're listening to this around your children, like, we don't swear on this podcast. It's a family show. We'll keep this PG, too. This is newsworthy, so we have to talk about it. We're not stoked about it. We don't want to talk about it. If you have kids in the car, fast forward uh, a minute, 30 seconds. We're not going to go above that. So fast forward a minute, 30 seconds. Okay, so now we're going to talk about it. Kodak Black, the uh, rapper. Who I had no idea. I, you the didn't only, know who that was? I knew who he was because um, he did an interview with, I think it was, I think it's like Hot 97.7. Okay. Remember, like we big, got a minute 30 here to tell yeah, I know. This. I know. It's like the big... Uh, Big rap station. I'm not really sure where it is. Okay, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I seen him do an interview there. He came in wearing a ski mask and he giggled yeah. a bunch. That's all I know about him. Yeah, he was popular when I was in high school. So like a couple years ago. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, like he's, you know, he's in the box, the suite uh, in a precarious position. It looked um, well, he was down on the ice level because the Panthers yes. like saw him they and like celebrated him. Yes. with him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then it looked, it appeared as if, uh, the woman he was with was either twerking on him or um, they were doing uh, doing some ex- expletive stuff that we wouldn't want to talk about on this podcast. But it's inconclusive. It was- it's inconclusive what happened. People are still arguing about it on Twitter as we speak, trying to decide what actually went down. Enough people have talked about it. We're not going to exhaust this conversation what do you think? anymore. I-, I think it was just dancing. I think it was just dancing too. I was I was unsure, and I was also on the other side for a while, but I think it was just dancing. I think that clip that we saw that went viral. I think I think it's like sixty forty. It was just dancing. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sold yet. I'm not sold either. I've seen a second camera view. I think. Well, <laughs> I'm not even going to say this, but you might need a third one to to figure out exactly yeah. what was going on. Yeah, there. exactly. Okay, but, hey, grow the game. Yep, grow the game. We've uh, we've done enough here. Uh, family show. Mode Do you think activated. there was any other like hockey video that went and had them had more views than that last night? No chance, right? Because that had like I when I saw it, like it was an hour hour deep into the video being out, and it had a million views already at this point. So I don't know how many wow. it's at this morning, yeah. but like there's no chance no other hockey video did like no highlight did anything close so. to that. So that was and I didn't even cover it at Canucks Army. I was like debating it. Yeah. I saw Rob did. Shameless. Rob Daily Hive. Daily Hive Rob. No yeah. problem covering that. I'm just kidding. Rob's a good guy. Seven Rob best positions from... from <laughs> <laughs> Number six will shock you because oh he did it at a, at a hockey game. Oh my gosh. Enough. All right. Family show mode activated again. Sorry, folks. We went a little over a minute and a half. That was wishful thinking. But there are other topics. And I guess the main thing I wanted to kind of talk about with this Florida Panthers-Vancouver Canucks game was just how, you know, there were some people... And I again, I don't mean to sound like my glasses are rose colored and I'm coming out here and being overly positive or anything. But there were some people that were looking at this game saying, Oh, well there's the real Canucks. And it's like, okay, first of all, you didn't have Thatcher Demko on his a game, which by the way, every other night in the season, except for maybe like a two week stretch before Travis green got fired. And I'm pretty sure that was because he was on team fire Benning. 
Thatcher Demko has been excellent. So I think you can count on Thatcher Demko returning to what he was literally two weeks ago. Again, this layoff doesn't help. Didn't have that warm-up game against the Ottawa Senators. That doesn't help a goaltender. So what I'm trying to say is with the Vancouver Canucks situation right now with the Florida Panthers, look, like the Florida Panthers are one of the top teams in the league. Like That's the likely President's Trophy winner that we're talking about here, right? No, and I the- think they're playing the President's Trophy winner tomorrow. No, they're ahead of, right now. Florida's ahead yeah, of Tampa. Sure, but I, I think Tampa comes back. Maybe, they, but what, I'm they just saying get Kucherov back. Sure, hat trick in his first game. Sure, but I'm still saying that this is a this is a top team in the league. Is my yeah point. for sure. Okay, so yeah, I think that's kind of what everybody knew the Canucks were. They were a good team that can't really compete with top teams in the league, but they're not going to have to face a team like that unless they reach like the Cup final, right? They could take anybody in the Pacific. Right, like I think that much has become clear. They can take most teams in the league, and you know if, if Thatcher Demko turns in a bit of a better performance tonight, they're almost right in there with Florida. Right, so like again, I'm not trying to sound like my glasses are too rose colored here, but it's just something I noticed that I I wanted to kind of highlight because I I don't think it's uh it's the victory lap that the Negs are thinking it is. No, I don't. I don't like I agree with you too. I think that they they showed pretty well. Like I, I thought that they. They looked like a team that could at least keep up with the Florida Panthers, right? Like, you know, going in there with a the Travis Green version of the Vancouver Canucks, I think they would have been blown out of that building. They could have lost yeah. that game seven, nine, seven to, yeah, nine to one, one, seven to one, whatever. But they got some opportunities. I, I liked how they, I mean, I don't know. I liked how they got a lot of shots on net. That seems to be the Boudreaux way of looking at things. It just felt like to me a little bit about the offense that was coming from the Vancouver Canucks in that game felt sort of like the early parts of the season where they, yeah, they'd outshoot teams, but I didn't feel like there was a lot of real danger behind the Canucks shots. And I think the situations where real danger did start to present itself for the Vancouver Canucks, they were just a little rusty. Like look at the last play of the game with JT Miller. When this team's clicking and they're playing every second night, that's in the back of the net. Yeah. Right, that that shot that goes across wide open net for Miller, he misses the net. A lot of situations like that. A lot of Brock Besser in the slot getting passes where timing was just off a little bit, and then he misses the net on a shot or doesn't get the shot off. Elias Pettersson coming down wings with puck on his stick goes to shoot and just fans on it because he misses as he looks up towards the net. Little things like that, like those can become goals real quick when the team starts to get buzzing again. And I think this one game, it's the first regulation loss for the Canucks under Bruce Boudreaux. So I, I'm with you. I. I yeah, they. I would have expected them to lose this game. I would have been shocked to see them win this game. And I'll be. I'll be honest. I think I'll be shocked to see them if they win against Tampa Bay as well. But I do think that they are going to have some bounce back. They fought, like man, this team has not been able to play hockey games, and I think that that hurts so much more than than people can really think about. Like to get them back into action is huge, and and I'm excited to see the the rest of this road trip. And if they can come out of here with. Like I think if they come out of this road trip with five points, that's a really good run. Like oh, if they yeah. come out of here, they're on the road. Let's first put that out there. They're playing five of the six best teams on this five game road trip where there's back to backs, weird start times, all in Eastern clocks. I think five points would be an excellent road trip here. And I think, you know, when Bruce Boudreaux maybe came out and said that was like, Hey, if we go 500 on this road trip, it'll be good. And people are like, damn, that sucks for a team that's eight Oh and one. But you're getting like real truthful, good, honest answers now from guys like Boudreaux and guys like Rutherford compared to what we were getting the crap thrown at us from Jim Benning and Travis Green, where it was like the expectations that they were giving us were just so ridiculous to have this type of honesty from a coach is it's great to see. And I think, yeah, I'm with it where they can come out of here with five points. That is a win. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you, right? Because look, yeah expectations were a bit lofty. They're not going to go undefeated, even though we were projecting it. We were saying 138 points, yep. President's Trophy win. There's your pres- There's your real President's Trophy winner is right. the Vancouver Canucks, right? Yeah, never heard of the Panthers or anything. Yeah, who are the Panthers? Um, I guess we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the Florida conversation there. They're going to play the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday, and then, like you said, they have the weird start times, 10 a.m. against the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canucks warm-up with Faber and Quads will be going at... 2.30 or 3 Post o'clock game. that day. Or I'll be there at 3. 2.30 is when we actually start the show. Okay, I'm yeah. showing up late. We're doing a little wrap-up. Uh, the Canucks wrap-up. Yeah, no warm-up anymore. Yeah, just kind of change the lettering around a yep, little. Yeah, we can do that. I'll have to make a new graphic then. <laughs> because I was thinking, like, imagine if we did the Canucks warm-up. The game's at, what, 10? We could have done 6 to 9 for the Ooh, show. Nice. Damn. It would have been... 
you know, get there. That's what I would say. That's the schedule I'm on right now. Anyways, I'm getting into sports and at five in the morning this week. Oh man. Crushing the intros. Some of the best intros. I think Halford and Ruff might have ever had to be honest. honest. I, and the thing is I can't podcast them because the copyright infringement. Uh, I can't use like yes. the songs. Right. So the only people hearing these intros, 6am boom, you're there on sports that you're listening. You're getting these fire intros that I'm putting together. Interesting. Okay. That's yeah. Wow. So, I don't want to talk about that because that's more Patreon conversation, but I'm very interested about how waking up that early has been for you because I, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know I wouldn't be able to do it. So, I hate it. Yeah. Let's cut to break. On the other side, we'll get to a poll question. We'll get to some more Canucks stuff as well. Keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. Winter is quickly approaching, but wait. That means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. The Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris, We've got some other stuff to talk about with this game. Some secondary scoring. Jason Dickinson, Yuho Lamico, potting goals for the Canucks. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I think I talked about it and I wrote about it a little while for Canucks. I was like, Jason Dickinson does get to a lot of really good spots on the ice. Like, I really do like how Jason Dickinson gets involved offensively, just doesn't seem to have the finish. Last night was a good example of when he does get his shot off. And he, it's the same kind of spot where I've seen him a lot is just getting into the slot but he never finishes and he got a good finish last night. I think that was good to see. And I think he's found a better spot on this Canucks team as a winger. Cause he sure wasn't cutting it as a center. No, he wasn't. The faceoffs weren't there. There was a lot, not there. And another guy who wasn't really cutting as a center, Yuho Lamico, but found a way to score last night. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I think Yuho Lamico is just gonna, he is what he is, right? He's a fourth yeah. line center. He's, it's not like he's came over and was like great on the penalty kill. He's just mm-hmm. a guy out there playing on the fourth line. I he think. is a guy. Who, who looks quietly like he's getting the most taken out of him by Bruce Boudreaux. Like, Bruce think, Boudreaux is yeah. getting the most out of Yuho Lam because I tried to say. I don't know why I said it so weirdly, but yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, the fourth line, it's like it's it's very different to me looking at the fourth line under Boudreaux. I don't know if you get this feeling either, but, like, I don't know. The fourth line just seems to get a lot of opportunities because the shifts are just so short that it's, like, it's rotating through four lines so fast. The fourth line feels like it's getting more ice time. Are you, do you see that as well, or is that just me? No, I think you're right. I think it feels like they're getting more ice time, but unlike when Travis Green was this team's head coach, it doesn't feel like... They don't get caught a lot. Yeah, well, not only that, but it doesn't feel like there's moments where I'm like, why is the fourth line out? Yeah, because I feel like they're just there's like a flash. Like, yes. they go out there, they... they you know, Short throw the shifts. puck that's in the corner. Boudreaux's thing. Short shifts, right? And I think with the fourth line, that's all you want, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've been liking the fourth. Like, I just... There's nothing that the fourth line's doing amazing but you know they get a goal yesterday and like i always think of it as this canucks team where like when the canucks team is when this team's rolling if you're getting a goal from a yuho lamico and you're getting a goal from a jason dickinson you're probably winning that game more times than not but right now none of the big guns really came out and scored any goals yesterday so unfortunately they didn't but i feel like if you're going to continue to you know get a mock goal here get a high more goal mixed in a lamico goal like these type of players adding to the offense is going to be huge because you still just need to get these big guys going too. And that's what's going to be this, the way that this team, if they do get into the playoffs to get into the conversation about the playoffs, it's going to be on the back of their top scores. Another thing we noticed a team low nine fifty five of ice time for Nils Hoaglander in that game. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was kind of pissed and I know you're really pissed, but it didn't get a question into Bruce Boudreaux today. That was going to be my second one. I know you wanted me to ask about the mountains, but the second one I wanted to ask about was like, how much coaching does Boudreaux want to do? with Niels Hoglander because there were some times in the game last night. We love Hoglander, 20-year-old sophomore phenom. But there were times where he was real out of position. He lost his guy on a goal yesterday. Uh, just a couple times where in the defensive zone, once they were actually in the Canucks zone, I thought Hoglander wasn't good like at, at covering his man. And the thing that it's weird because it's like sometimes I think just to like the naked eye, if you're not looking, I think when a goal like when a goal happens, you see it, but when the goals don't happen, you don't really notice Hugliner because he's trying so hard. Like he's his motor's always going, and he looks like he's a solid. Like it looks like he's involved in the play, but sometimes he's just doing the wrong thing. 
I think that there still does need to be some coaching with Niels Huglander, and I'll be interested to see like how it happens with Boudreaux. So it didn't shock me to see him be the low minute guy. He's the only guy under ten minutes last night. Huglander kind of lost his man on a couple yeah. of those goals last night, which which is why I think it led to the low ice time. And I think that's there the is thing. still room to grow there, right? That you don't notice it, like when he's when they don't score. You don't notice it because he's trying and he's doing something. But when they do score and you're like, whoa, like some guy, somebody lost their guy there. And then you look at the play, how it develops and it's Niels Huglander. It's like, damn, because like, I don't know. And would he, would you not say that Niels Huglander is the streakiest player on this Canucks team? Like he has to be the streakiest player, right? Yes. Like he, he has these stretches where he's unreal. Uh, Tanner Pearson might have something to say about that. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, like, but your point stands for points, maybe. But I just think like of actual like good effectiveness. Play, yeah, okay, you're right. Good play yeah. and bad play. Yeah. Like I, I do think that Huglander is the streakiest player, which is fine. Like it's fine to have some streaky players on your roster, especially if they are going to end the season. Like what was Huglander last year? A half a point per game player in his rookie year. If he takes a step from there and he's a streaky player, that's great. You're going to get some really good stretches from Niels Huglander, and and to see who he's playing with, like. You want him to get going with Pedersen, and eventually they will. Maybe maybe getting Pedersen going a little bit is going to take a little hot streak from Huglander. But, yeah, I just think that I'm curious to see how Boudreaux ends up working with him and if he's the next young guy to really like get invested with with coaching for Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux. Chris, 2 nothing Down 2 nothing early in this game. Bruce Boudreaux called it coming down to earth for his team. Did you see it that way? Cause to me, like I chalked the slow start. I, I honestly did. I chalked it up to not having played in a while. And you know, we talked about it. We got some, we got some angry people in our DMS and stuff. Uh, when we talked about the 50% capacity limit and how it's not a great idea to have your team not play games for that long and not play any home games. But like, you know, we get it's a business. We completely understand, but I think I'm not going to relive that whole conversation, but you know, our main point was well, there's no guarantee the situation is going to be better when the Canucks try and play more home games later this month uh, and into the month of February. So, regardless, we won't we won't bring that up again. But a bit of a wake up call for his team and bring them down to earth," said Putro. Yeah, I think like you look at this road trip, how hard everyone's like, "This is going to be a really hard road trip, right? This is going to be a really tough five games." Seven minutes into your road trip. You're down two nothing to a to a Florida Panthers team that doesn't lose at home. Just you know, three games where they haven't gotten a win out of their twenty two. That's great. That's wild numbers to see uh, from the Florida Panthers. And yeah, I, I think it did bring them down to earth a little bit. And maybe that's a good place to to kind of start on the road trip. Maybe it was a good spot, but it's not like it's not like they were high up in the clouds either. They didn't play for ten games. Like if this happened two days after and they're still on like a, a crazy run and all these games that were postponed weren't and they were still winning then maybe, but I, I think they were already pretty down to earth going into this game. I felt, cause I think it was very clear just hearing from the players. Cause all we did was talk to them at practice. The players all knew how big this five game road trip is. And still it's massive. Like it's massive to see how many points they can get out of these five games. Obviously you don't get any out of the first, but you'd like to see a bounce back from this. And I think like, I know, Boudreaux said they came down to earth. I think they were down to earth already going into this. And I think it, I don't think they were shocked because it felt like the start to the game, like maybe it was, you said it was, you thought it was a little slow. Yeah, it was a little choppy. That game wasn't great. To yeah. Start. I mean, I'd say choppy. I wouldn't say slow because I thought the Canucks, like, wasn't there a point where it was like nine, two in shots and it was two nothing already? Like the, they I don't think it was that bad. I think it was maybe three shots. I think it was four. But yeah, regardless, it was bad. Okay, well, there's like the Canucks were definitely out shooting them uh, early on in the game, but it was yes. just two nothing because, yeah, like like I said, I think earlier in the show, just something about the Panthers and the way they attack the net yeah. is really impressive to see like how disruptive they can be to goaltenders. And I think that's what you saw with Thatcher Demko last night, where you know we've we've seen this all year long. If Demko can see it and he's not affected by anyone around him, he's going to stop it. Last night, there was sticks, bodies, everything. Florida was putting everything in front of them. Really well-played game offensively by the Florida Panthers. And just, it even felt like when they had their power plays, like I think their first shot on the power play after moving it around for like a full power play. And then the second opportunity they got, they still moved around, no shots. And then when the, finally they get their shot off and it's like just a, a great rip on the power play. I think, was it Bennett who tipped it maybe uh, in tight? And, and Reinhardt. Reinhardt, that's right. Uh, Reinhardt tipped in front and, and just, same kind of thing I talked about there is just having active guys in front of the net do something on Thatcher Demko. 
going to really limit his opportunities to to be the regular Demko that we've kind of seen. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think it was a bad game for Demko. I think it was an okay game for Demko. And I think it's similar to how people viewed Roberto Luongo in this market, where if he played like at an average level, people were like, what the heck? This guy sucks. Yeah. And I don't think Demko is going to do that for long. Like, I don't think it's going to become a regular thing that he plays okay. I think we're going to see Demko, and I hate to use the term bubble Demko, but that's what he's become, is what we saw in the bubble. That is Thatcher Demko. That's the goalie Thatcher Demko is, and he's going to come back to that. I'm very confident in that. So, Chris, I found it, I, I found it interesting that um, you know Boudreaux said that he like extensively talked with Ian Clark after the second intermission and then went over and asked Demko about going back into the game and continuing and playing the rest of the game because he didn't want to see, I think his quote was like, we don't want to see six, seven, eight goals go on Demko to start this road trip. Uh, do you think that that was the right move, putting him back out there? I think it was 4-1 going into this. I think, I think he, you know, as he said, he talked to Ian Clark, he talked to Thatcher Demko about that. Clearly, those two gentlemen were on board with the idea. So, yeah, I think it was the right call because yep. the the people who know Thatcher Demko best, other than Thatcher Demko himself, is the goaltending coach, Ian Clark, right? So Thatcher Demko knows his game best, and the second best person is Ian Clark. So for Demko, because obviously the insinuation here is... Goalie's never going to be like, ah, yeah, I'm done. uh, Yeah, they are. I don't think so. Not Demko, I wouldn't think. No, not Demko. But, he's never going to say take me out. But that's also because he thrives when he plays more, and he wants to... he, He knows he's getting the start in Tampa, right? So the think the thought process here is to you know, let him feel more shots or do whatever he needs to do to be ready for Tampa. That was the insinuation from Boudreaux. That's why he asked Ian Clark and asked Thatcher Demko uh, if they thought it was a good idea. So that's exactly why And that I think happened. you saw Boudreaux say, like, you know, we just want to take some positives out of the third period. I think one of them was Demko. He, you know, locked it down in the third period. They obviously came out and got... Uh, you know, got back on the board uh, with another goal there late from from Lamico. I think was it Mott that took the shot though. I can't even really remember. I was starting to get pretty uh, tuned out of that game to be one hundred percent honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think getting Demko back into it and getting him back into a rhythm. I think he needed to finish that game unless they got like yeah. seven goals in there because exactly he's going to play four of these five games probably on this road trip. I don't think they're going to Halak against the Lightning. No, and then he's only going to get one of the weekend games probably for Demko. Yeah, you're right. And exactly. then, uh, yeah, I think it was I think it was the right decision, and uh, obviously didn't really backfire in their face or anything. So looking back, it, it turned out to be the right decision. You've got a spicy take here that I'm just going to give you free reign on. This will maybe be a clip that we have to post on TikTok here because you've got some stuff to say about Elias Pettersson. You say it is time to worry about Elias Pettersson. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think we're at the point of the season now, we're approaching the halfway point. I know we're just coming off of a break. But there's a lot of things that Elias Pettersson isn't doing that we've seen him do in the past. He's not being able to find the the right part of the puck when he's starting to shoot, stick handle, everything. Like it, something just feels off about Pettersson, and he can't find chemistry with anybody. Like he can't find. He's been with eight different forwards. He's played forty plus minutes with eight different forwards as line mates. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he hasn't stuck around with the same guy in a long time, but. I, I do start to think that if you look at the potential that we all had for Elias Pettersson, I don't think he's reaching it this year. Like, I don't, I think it's going to take, it might take an actual like off season to being healthy or another, or just this year being like a, a bad season for him. Like it, it might not, he might not find it this year. I, I, I have, I know that I'm not going to, th- I think there's enough skill there to know in the long term, Pettersson is still going to be a top, 15 center in this league top 10 probably if he gets back to that potential but i don't think he's reaching it this season i don't think he's going to pick it up this season and find it i just i don't think there's enough confidence there i think we're good port good part into the season i know i've seen people talking about yeah if he leads the team in points the rest of the way they make the playoffs i'm kind of in that camp too like i think that's what it's going to take for this team to get in the playoffs I just don't think we're going to see it this year for Pedersen. I think this is going to be a down year for him in the first year of a big contract, which is really unfortunate, but happens more than you think. So when you say it's time to worry, do you mean it's time to worry about Elias Pedersen and his long-term future with the Canucks? Or do you mean it's time to worry that he won't get it back this season? I don't think he's going to get it back this season. I, I, I feel... But when you say it's time to worry specifically, what are you worried about? 
I think I'd be worried about thinking that it was every year was going to build and build and build. And he was going to get to this point where he was top three players in the league. I think coming into the, coming into the NHL, that first year that he had and building off that and everything that he built off that was all the signs were pointing towards that being possible. Like all the signs very early on in his career were thinking, wow, this, this is the guy, this is the guy that's going to get the Vancouver Canucks and he's going to lead them into the playoffs and get a Stanley Cup for this team. Finally. You could feel that vibe early on from Elias Pettis. It felt like Vancouver finally had the guy that was going to do it. And then you add Quinn Hughes and you're like, wow, now we got the defenseman. Then Thatcher Demko takes over. Okay, now you got the goaltender. Really good backbone to build off of the superstars that you had. I worry about Pedersen because I think that the confidence just feels like it's really not there. Like I know that we've talked about this for so long. I don't know how he regains it. I don't think he can regain it this year. I think that he needs to like have a start to something that's going to kind of just, you know, be the firecracker for him to get back to what he's used to be. And I don't think it's going to come this year. I, I don't know if he's, I I'm feeling like, I don't know if we're going to see Pedersen score a hat trick or two goals in a game this year. It feels like it, it's been tough to watch. Like it, it's, it's such a different player than we've seen in the past. He's playing on a third line right now. And Boudreaux's trying a lot of different things for him playing him a lot of minutes. There's certain times where he's not playing a lot of minutes. I still think that he's, he's doing a lot of good things, but he's not like there used to be times where like Pedersen could deco, like not like a full team, but like at least two to three guys he could beat or he could beat one guy and then, and then beat another guy with the right angle to get his good shot off. I haven't seen any of that this year, like any of that. So I, I think I'd be worried a little bit about this year and what you can see from Pedersen. If, if you're going to rely on him to get you, Points in the playoffs, I don't think, I don't know. I think this year might be a problem. But long term, he's going to be a player that contributes to your top six for sure. Like for sure. I know that. I just don't know if he's going to be the top three center. And I really. Franchise center that he looked like in his first three years is what you're saying. Yeah. And I think franchise center is such a weird word to talk about it because like. What, what is the franchise? What's a low end franchise center? Who's a low end franchise center in the NHL? Nico Heischer. Jack Hughes. Okay, well then, yeah, Pedersen's a franchise. He's still going to be a franchise center then. If that's your low end for franchise center? Need, no, but that you don't throw around the term franchise yeah, center. There's say, no low every, end franchise center. I don't think every team has a franchise no, center. No, exactly. I don't think half the teams have a franchise exactly. center. Exactly. Agreed. And that's what And it looked like think. the Canucks had one, which was a rare occurrence in the NHL. That's what made Pedersen so valuable. So right? he'd have to be a top 10 center in the league, I think, to be like a franchise yes. center. I okay. think there's about nine, nine or 10 franchise centers. Yeah. You hope that Patterson will be one, and I think that like being a top ten center in the league is massive. You need Patterson to kind of be that for this team to be competitive, and then yeah, I just I worry about where the confidence is taking him this year. What is happening to the contract? I I don't think I'm not in the camp of like you need to trade this guy. I think he's going to figure it out, but there are a lot of like really crappy signs this year of like things where you know every, what everyone talks about Patterson like he needs to be a perfectionist, right? Like he needs, he's a perfectionist. He needs to be perfect. Like it's, it's a strange situation. I think for me, because it's weird when, when so many of the errors are happening so consistently, if you're a perfectionist, how can you even like look at yourself as a perfectionist? If you're making so many little errors, like that's got to crush you. I think that's what's the problem. That's what we're seeing. Actually. I also want to like get this out there. Cause like, as soon as I give up, as soon as I give up in Pedersen, that's when he's going to turn it around. Yes, that's, that's what happens. That's a great point, and you're hoping that's the case. I'm hope, really hoping that's the case. I really hope that Patterson bounces back here this season. I just don't know if he's going to be, you know, like for him to be a point per game player the rest of the season. That would shock. That would really shock me. Just oh, from what likewise. everything we've seen this year, he has the skill and the potential to do it. But I don't. I wouldn't bet on it for sure. No, not this season. No chance. Not the way that he's going right now and, and things are trending with him. Everyone's like, oh, we're seeing him take steps and he's getting a little bit better here, a little bit better there. I, I guess like there are little tiny things that you see in a game, but is there really like a big step that you've seen in Pedersen's game since, since Boudreaux's come in? Like, have you seen better? Have you seen like a game where you said, yeah, this is the Pedersen that we remember. I haven't seen that under Boudreaux. He hasn't taken a big step to getting back to what he used to be yet. No. And I think that's the frustrating thing is we've seen games where Pedersen will pull off a deke or something big will happen in a game where he'll, he'll do something. You're like, oh my gosh, he's back. He, he's getting back. But it's like, how about a five point game? Cause that's what he well, used okay. to do. 
Well, I, even like, I don't even, yeah, you see like a little. How about a three-point game? Or how a about a period? Game. How about a full period where yes. it's like the Pedersen that we've seen? I haven't exactly. seen a full period of it. Yeah. Definitely not a full game. I just, I, everyone, you know, I've heard a lot of people, it's baby steps, baby steps. I, they're really small baby steps, even if they are. Yes. I don't think there's much improvement in his game since the coaching switch, which is too bad. Because like, man, that video the other day of Bruce Boudreau, like telling him how hard he worked in practice. And if he keeps that up, it's going to be a good thing. Like. Boudreaux really wants this, this this kid to succeed. Obviously, he's his yeah. coach. Like, I, I'm just worried about this season. I'm not worried, worried long term. I, I think he's going to be back. But, man, this year, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's coming this year for Pedersen. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. All right, let's get to the poll question. The Your Business Here poll question. If you want to sponsor the poll question, hit us up. Uh, we're, we're working on some stuff, actually. We've got a few people. I think it's an exciting one. We we know. We've got some exciting ones. We're not going to say anything. We're excited, though. If, you, if you'd like to throw your hat in, a little voice crack there. Yep. If you'd like to put your uh, hat in the ring for consideration, hit us up. Uh, message us on either of our accounts or the Canucks Convo account. Our episode 229 poll question brought to you by Nobody Yet. Which two Canucks players are most deserving of going to the All-Star game? JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, JT Miller, and Thatcher Demko. And as always, I'm angry. Chris, your thoughts? Um, man, you lost me there a little bit. Miller Hughes <laughs> is one duo. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay so so guys. when I made this poll question, I basically said, look, all three aren't going to go because only okay, one team. Okay, I got basically, you only one team gets to send because every team needs a representative. Only one team is going to be able to send three. Right. And like even that is if you're taking away another duo, and like obviously McDavid and Drysital are going. Um, I did a little projection of it for Daily Faceoff, which I'll read, but I'll do it after. Uh, just kind of your thoughts, but I'll kind of go into the thought process of why I only put duos instead. Okay, yeah, if I had to pick a duo that was going to the All Star game this year for the Pacific Division, yes. Do you want me to go first? You think about it. Okay, yeah, you go first. I'm going to, like, I said Miller and Hughes. Miller and Hughes is who I said. I think Miller and Hughes, and this is just because I'm looking at the rest of the roster. I'm seeing Jacob Markstrom's probably going to be the starter, and John Gibson's going to be the backup, right? And Thatcher Demko is kind of my third-string goaltender, as he was, I reported this, as he was for Team USA. If they went to the Beijing Olympics, he was going to be the third-string goaltender ahead of Jack Campbell on that team. Regardless... That's why I put Miller and Hughes. I know I some people are mad I snubbed Demko, but I think Miller and Hughes are both more deserving than Demko of going to the All-Star game. And, and that's also just looking at the rosters and what the other teams have to offer. Like, There's not really many great defensemen in the Pacific Division. Like Drew Doughty and Alex Petrangelo. Lock. Yeah. yeah. You, um, Doughty and Petrangelo are the two guys I have as joining him. I don't... Like, maybe Shea Theodore? Right? But mm. I think He's Petrangelo, having a down year, too. Exactly. I think Petrangelo beats him out. I think I, I, yeah, Hughes is a lock for me. Hughes is the guy for sure. Yes. I, I guess you have to look at the goaltending and it's going to be, you know, Markstrom's obviously there. And then it's Demko versus Gibson. Yes. And Demko has weight in that competition. Nine, yeah. nine, 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 seventeen save percentage for Demko, nine, seventeen for Gibson. Uh, Demko's played more and he has better goals against average. Who else makes it from the Ducks then? Troy Terry, 22 goals, point. Uh, 18 assists. He's having an yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm not going to do the same as you. I'm going to say Demko and Hughes. Okay. Are there just the because JT, I think, and I think JT Miller gets snubbed in this spot more than Demko would be. Well, like, JT, JT Miller is what top, he's still top 10 scoring top 10 score in the league, in the league. Yeah. Not only the Pacific, but the league, but I don't think and he was Canucks, up for captain. Like they were, they were, hmm. he was up for captain. Right? So I don't think a guy who's up for captain isn't there at all. That's why I say Miller and Hughes is going to be the duo. I'll read you the results. I think they they might be able to hit three. Like, they, those three players, though, this Canucks team's not great. If a goalie goes down, if if John Gibson goes down, or like he did in past years, if Jacob Markstrom doesn't want to go to the All Star Mm. game, Thatcher Demko's there and the Canucks have three easily. I, I think, well, I still think like Troy Terry could be the guy for Anaheim for sure. Yep. You could really make an argument. I know the goalie, the stat, the big stat guys. I forget Kevin Woodley talking about hugging yeah, yeah. posts all the time. He's apparently he's talking about uh, Gibson's numbers are being are bad. No, they're not. That's what I heard. I heard Woodley the other day on six fifty saying that uh, that Gibson's the most overrated goaltender in the league. Yeah, I've year. heard. I, I I actually share that opinion, but his numbers themselves aren't bad. Like I I know what Woodley's talking about. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. But yeah, I I I I I agree with you. 
but I think the people who make these decisions don't. And because he's overrated, he'll he will. But there's like Demko's got the highlights. He's got the carried this bad team through a lot of stuff. I think Demko's a lock more than Miller is, just because. And Miller's got all the points, and it's great. But I do think that Demko's like view around the league as an all star, third star of the month in December. Yeah, and, and he's had to, he's had weeks where he's been the star of the week. I think it would be a snub to see to see Jay, to see three players not make this team. I think I think Markstrom's a lock for sure as one of the goaltenders. I, I think that Demko should be in there as well, though. I think Demko should be over Gibson, and I think he's done enough for like his reputation of like making that that huge saves that he made. How many highlight real plays he's had? How many player of the weeks he's been in? Like whether it be first or third star, he's had a couple of those player of the months, and like yeah, I, I just. I think that it's going to be Hughes and Demko if I had to pick two, but it really wouldn't surprise me to see three. The points should get JT Miller in. Quinn Hughes will get in from his points. And then it's, yeah, I guess it would be the tougher one for Demko to beat out Gibson, but I really think that's that's pretty possible too. Here are our results from the poll question. 39% leading the vote say Miller and Demko. 32% say Hughes and Demko. 21% say Miller and Hughes and 8% say I'm angry. This is so a good poll. With all, thank you. With all due respect to the the voters, and we retweeted this from the Canucks Army account, so it's not all just listeners of the Canucks Conversation podcast. Mm-hmm. With all due respect to everybody voting, you're wrong. It's not Miller and Demko. No, I think Hughes, Hughes is the, lock. Hughes is the yeah. biggest lock of they're, the They're three. just wrong. And there's no other way to say it. So. Yeah. And it's fair. You're, you're like scrolling. You're reading it at work. You're not thinking like we are. You're not being like, oh, well, this guy's going to make the team. This guy's going to make the team. But here's my projected lineup that I did for dailyfaceoff.com. So I've got, obviously, Dreisaitl McDavid from Edmonton. Timo Meyer is the guy that I chose from San Jose. Someone said Thomas Hurdle should be there instead. I disagree. Uh, Johnny Goudreau's having an excellent year. Johnny Goudreau's there. JT Miller is there as well. Troy Terry, Jordan Eberle. That rounds out my forwards. Because, again, remember, folks, every team... Needs a representative, so Jordan Everly's my guy from Seattle. He's just yeah. their top leading scorer. Uh, maybe Mark Giordano, but again, I don't, I don't really think so. And I also am here for Everly playing with a shift with McDavid or Drysaddle. So that's why I put Everly there. Drew Doughty, again, just a personality that the NHL likes to highlight and is good at All Star games. They like to have him there. Alex Petrangelo as well, same sort of deal. And Quinn Hughes is my uh, last defenseman there with Markstrom and Gibson minding the net. Yeah. That's my team for there. daily faceoff. That's what I picked, and also I you have to remember I I projecting this. If I if I picked, I'm like, oh yeah, put Demko in, put Demko in. But I'm I'm trying to project it and predict it. It's not me just saying my favorite players. I love yeah. Demko. Everybody knows that. Yeah, I I just I think that the hype. I think Demko's hype will get him in over over Gibson, and I do. Th- it, cool. it would be weird. I know it'd be cool, and maybe it sounds like a homer answer, but seriously, like the the points that Miller has, the play that Quinn Hughes has. And the goaltending that Demko has done around the league now taking notice of him, it's very possible for me to see three three Canucks in here and, and lead probably the league in players. Like, you know, Tampa's probably going to have three somehow. They'll have Vasilevsky, Hedman, and... Well, they should, right? And whoever their leading forward Stamkos. scorer is, he'll be in there too. They should have three. Tampa should have three. The Canucks yeah. maybe should have three, but not in the way that Tampa should. Like, Tampa should have three. Mm-hmm. They literally have to. Anyway, those are my picks. All right. So, yeah, sponsor the poll question, folks. And also, I just wanted to kind of plug a little bit here. Uh, the Patreon. We did a really good episode recently. Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. $5 and $10 tiers gets you all the bonus content. We had Harmon tell a pretty good story from a Vegas nightclub. We can definitely not tell it on the main podcast, but if you want to hear that, the uncensored story. You're talking about bumping and grinding in the club. Yeah, except we're not going to talk about that on the main show. Okay. okay. Um, so, if you want to hear that. Harmon Dial uh, gave a give a little story uh, from his time in Vegas. Fine, is it uh, is it the pinned tweet on the or no the links in the Twitter account? Yes, the link is in the Twitter account. Okay, or Patreon dot Patreon dot com slash Canucks. No, we can't both say the link at the same time. Well, I was, and then you just started. I said it first. There, people listen back to the tape. I was started saying it first. Yeah, that's fair. All right, prospects. Prospects report. Okay, give tell it to me us. that I don't. You know, I don't read Stefan's articles. You should. Stefan is uh, Canucks Army's best writer. Other than myself. Hmm. All right. Tell me about his article then. Okay. So Stefan, what he wrote today was about the Canucks urgently need a new mandate in Abbotsford pointed a lot to the deficiencies in development with the team. And again, like Chris, there's been a lot that the Canucks have uh, 
kind of fumbled when it comes to their farm team, like the Utica Comets. And again, it's not like they were sending A-list prospects down there or B-list even to to develop. But, you know, when you can't turn Cole Lind into an NHLer, I think that's something that you kind of look at and say, okay, what went wrong there? Because that was a guy that, you know, and I know he's not doing much in Seattle either, but it's like, that's a guy who was a high pick and I'm not really ready to just say that, oh yeah, well, he just didn't want it enough or he's a bust. Like, I don't know. I think you you need to kind of hold the farm team accountable because when all they're turning out is goaltenders, and I've already beat this horse to death, that that has largely more to do with Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford than it does Trent Call and the rest of the coaching staff down in Utica and down now, obviously, in Abbotsford. When all you have to show for your development developmental pros, process is Thatcher Demko and you know, maybe even if you want to include Zach McEwen and Jonah Gadjevich, like you lost Gadjevich and McEwen. So again, you just have nothing to show for it. And I think you just need to have more. You need to have more from your developmental team. And especially for a team that's near the bottom of the league for as long as the Kunks were, like Lucas Yasik heads back to Europe. There's just, the list kind of goes on. And I think the main thing that Stefan was pointing out was that they just haven't had anybody come up. And that's pretty troubling. Yeah, they haven't had a lot of things go into their AHL organization as well. Think about the first round picks they've traded away. It's not like it would have been nice to add a a 17th overall pick who comes out of, you know, comes out of junior goes into the AHL plays for a couple of years. feels like every team has that, but I, I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. There there has been a big struggle with the Canucks AHL teams at developing, putting players in the right spot to the thought of the AHL being a developmental league seems to be lost a lot under the, tutelage of Trent call and, and what he ends up going with. I mean, you don't have to look far from what the goaltending situation is. Yeah. Spencer Martin's giving you the best chance to win, but Spencer Martin doesn't add anything to your organization, winning a Stanley cup. Like he adds nothing to your organization of potentially winning a Stanley cup down the road. Could C laws maybe could yep. D Pietro maybe just as like a backup in three, and, four and not years, even, not even just as a backup, Chris. Cause remember if these guys develop well, and and do become backups or whatever, you can trade them. If sure. you have a surplus yeah. of good goaltenders, you can trade them for picks. That's a good point. Yeah, that's the thing with C Laws is you know, you're not or sorry, with Martin. So you're not really that's there's not contributing anything to the organizational goal. If your organization's goal is to win the Calder Cup, that's cool too. Like that would be great. But it doesn't mean really that much. And I know you know, it'd be great to be Jay Beagle and say that you won a championship at all three levels of hockey, of professional hockey in North America, but Calder run would definitely help a lot of the prospects. And I think it'd be great, but they're obviously not even on that track right now. And they haven't really proved that over the past little bit either. So I, I worry about a little bit of things out there developing in Abbotsford. I don't think that, I think that now that they're in Abbotsford and we're able to kind of have a closer eye on things, you start to see what the team is doing. Like I, I observe at practice and I see a lot of guys working with the skating coach. I think Mackenzie braids out there with a different player every day. And I think that's great to see skills. Coaches are out there. Gary Agnew's out there quite a bit with guys after practice as well. But yeah, I, I think a lot it's, it's give and take for me. Like I, I do think there's some struggles developing. I think they're on the right track now that they're in Abbotsford and have more support from the team. I think that's going to make a big difference. Uh, having a video staff involved, analytics group now, everything just kind of at home and out for it's going to make things improve. But this year, there's also been a lot of bad things. The goaltending situation isn't great. What they're doing with Spencer Martin, giving him so many starts, having Archer Silovs go a month without playing in a game, aside from from coming in for Mikey DiPietro after he got lit up in the second period. And then developmental-wise, like with the whole situation with Mikey DiPietro not playing any games last year in the HL, being on the taxi squad for so long, they've screwed up a lot of things develop, like when they're trying to develop these prospects. And I think, like I said, part of it is they're not giving them a lot to work with. They're giving them a, you know, some players like Phil DiGiuseppe and these type of like tweener guys. That's great for the team to get wins, but you want to really focus on the Will Lockwoods. You want to focus on the Mikey DiPietro's. You want to focus on these guys that have a chance to, like you said, either bring something to the team for a Stanley Cup or potentially build themselves into being an asset to trade to help your team win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly, and that, and that's the thing, right? Is like I, I had some people in the replies when I talked about this, just like. Well, well, the Canucks already have Thatcher Demko. It's like a surplus of good goaltenders is what got the Canucks their current captain. Like, let that sink in, right? Like, they traded Corey Schneider for Bo Horvat. That's that's a good trade. 
That is a good trade to make. And if they are able to have a surplus of goaltenders, you're able to flip those for poor prospects. So enough on Abbotsford. You've got something here on Zlodiev for us. Yeah, they threw Zlodiev down into the MHL, which is the uh, U-20 league in Russia because uh, KHL shut down because of Corona. Really? The whole league? Yeah, for like two weeks. How bad was the breakout? What happened? Like every team, a decent breakout. Holy smokes. And was Zlodiev someone who tested positive? Do you know about no. that? Okay. He's playing in the MHL, like I said. Okay, okay. okay. Um, Yanni Yermo got healthy scratch today. Not looking good for the third round pick. Yeah, that's... Sorry. I'm going to cut you off. Talk about Yanni Yermo a bit. Because people, people are kind of hopeful that he can turn into something. But everything I've heard from you and other scouts and everybody else I've talked to is just... This was a pick that was uh, a high upside pick when it was made, and yeah. it's looking like that upside isn't going to be reached. Well, he's not getting any better. He's still big. He can still really skate. He's maybe a pr- improved a little bit of puck handling, but he's not the type of player that you're excited to get over to the AHL just yet. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there are there are some really good traits about his game. It's just he doesn't tie them together. He's got that Philip Broberg type of thing where he's got a lot of physical skill, but he can't really just connect the dots in his brain to make the right plays. That's kind of what Yanni Yermo does. He's a big defenseman, skates really well, really physical, but misses a lot of just the intangibles of, of literally just being able to be a, a hockey player who can continue play Tucker and, Pullman. and make passes and, and everything like Tucker Pullman. Yeah. Like it's yeah. I don't know. There's still chance and he's still young, but to see a healthy scratch today, isn't uh, a good step for Yanni Yermo to not yeah. be considered uh, on the world junior team, uh, not a great thing for him either. So, yeah, third round pick, not looking great. I'll tell you who though, uh, Connor Lockhart getting getting some praises, hat trick the other week, and and starting to put together some goals now. Uh, as one of the U nineteen players, I believe he's something like twelfth or sixteenth, or he's in that range of of being one of the top U19 players uh, in the OHL, which is good. Sixth-round pick. I mean, this is a kid who's undersized, needs to show well in the OHL to get a chance to play in the NHL, and he's got this year and next year, and we talked to him in the at training camp. Thought he would look. I thought he looked good. Like He looked like he could skate. Like a, He moves like an NHLer. He's so small, though, so he has to move like an NHLer. Um, and his goal for this year is to get a contract. The Canucks have 47 contracts signed right now. They have three spots open, right? So, like... McDonough's one. Linus Carlson's maybe the other. I don't think that um, we'll get a contract for Connor Lockhart this year. I'm hoping Jake Livingstone's the last one there. Had him on yes. the radio today. How did that go? I want to hear the clip. I was okay. He was uh, he was pretty like uh, shy and early like. Did they joke? Were they like joking around, telling him they wanted to sponsor him and stuff? Yeah, we we got to that point, and then he was also like, he said that he um, his dad works for Kokini. Oh wow! So okay. it was like K. Okay. There's there's an opening here for Shotgun Jake to come back, but only with Kokanese. And it could be Shotgun Jake Livingston. That's amazing. Yeah. I really hope that happens. Possible. Yeah, we'll have to get on the... We'll have to see. We'll have to get Canucks Army on the Shotgun Jake shirts again. But this city be... misses Shotgun Jake. Not the player at no. all. Nobody misses the player. There's like, no Jakes left on the Canucks, is there? No, I don't think so. Jake Kylie, man. Every time Jake Kylie made a save, we could Oof. Shotgun appear. <laughs> That'd be a lot. I'm well, no, to think. like Jacob Truscott. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> but he might score with as much irregularity as Jake Vertanen did. That's true. Never know. Regardless, the city misses shotgun Jake, the movement, not yeah. the player. Just Nothing things like that player. that bring people together on the, yeah. on the fan base. Exactly. That was so fun. Not the player. The player. Yeah, they, now that there's some vibes, like the Bruce, there it is things one. One thing, but uh, you know, it's uh, you miss having something that uh, that the yeah, fans react exactly. to when like, it happens. It didn't have to be something that happened every game, but it was something that would like you know come out of nowhere and happen and brought all the fan base. They don't exactly. have that right now with the Canucks anymore. No, well, you have Bruce. There it is, and that's fun. Go get your Bruce. There it is shirts at Canucks Army. I'm wearing mine tomorrow. Shameless plug. Mine, wear mine tomorrow, and uh, yeah, they're pretty nice. They're good shirts. They are. They're. I, I tell you what, though the. They're higher quality than I thought. They are very high quality. I'm going to try and get one into Bruce's hands. They're a little thick. Bruce would never wear it to a press conference. Though. Like, no. never. Bruce would never wear it. Because it's like, you know, he's talked about it. He's talked about how he likes it because it means they're winning. I think you got to get to Luke Shen. I think we do have to get to Luke, Luke Shen's Shen. the guy. Yeah. Um, he's a big Bruce there it is guy. Yes. But the thing is, is, you know, like, Bruce, Bruce likes it, 
But he also doesn't want it to be about him. That's yeah. why he says he he doesn't like it too much. Luke, he doesn't I'm want calling to be right now. Him. Luke Shen's going to be the one wearing it. I uh, if if Luke Shen wears a Bruce there it is shirt in a press conference, I, that'd be amazing. Yeah, we'll try and get him one. We'll try and get one when they return home here. But yeah, that was a good show, Chris. I think. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we close out? Uh, nope. Still on Halford and Breath every morning. Somebody come in at six a.m. and hear my intros. I'm working hard on these things. <laughs> Showing up like an hour early and, and making these great intros. Can't even wow. podcast them. So there's like no one on the road when you get into the studio. Uh, no, there's there's people on the road. Really? Yeah, not a ton, but it's there's people out there. Okay. The other like uh, the one day I couldn't believe it. Okay, so this is a little off topic story here. So the first day I get a nice coffee. Monday get a nice coffee. Way too much ice. You know mm, the worst. Way too much ice. Yep. Get in there. I still get my extra syrup, my extra cream. Like I've told you, that's the way to do it. You get a good nice coffee from McDonald's. Second day. I'm like so tired because I don't know. The first day just whooped me and I didn't get a lot of sleep the first night. So I go to McDonald's and it's bright and early. It's like 345 probably by the time I'm there. I order an iced coffee and my dumbass says, you know what? I'm going to get no ice because I had too no. much ice the other day. No. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I barely got any coffee. So I, my tired <laughs> ass orders a freaking iced coffee with no ice. And then I get, get to like the drive through. I get this iced coffee. And I take a sip of it and I'm like, I'm driving away. I'm like, whoa. I was like, I just bought like a lukewarm coffee in a plastic cup. I was like, what? I am so dumb. And then, and then I drove away. And then the next day, so today, today I go to McDonald's and I've, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what's the Goldilocks and the porridge? This one's too hot. This one's too cold. Yes. Today I get in there and I'm confident. I'm wide awake. I'm like, I'll take a large iced coffee, extra vanilla syrup. Extra cream, light ice, and I get it. The best, the yeah. best, the best iced coffee I have ever gotten from McDonald's. You ex- you get a vanilla iced coffee, large, extra vanilla, extra cream, light on the ice. Boom. That's how you do it. And it took me a couple. It took me looking like a real idiot one day for sure because I'm taking sips of this thing. And it's like, it was like, I was getting sips of like warmish coffee oh, and then like cold cream and sugar. <laughs> and it was horrible. It was horrible. Oh, but I my learned gosh. my lesson that day. That is amazing. That's what a great story to end the podcast with. All right. I think we'll close it out there. Uh, folks, we'll talk to you on Saturday. We'll be on the Canucks warm up on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we will also have an episode of Canucks Convo. Harm's here. Dropping. Harm will be here. Harmon's going to be here. Uh, it's going to be dropping on Saturday. So, Thanks again for listening. Be sure to rate and review the podcast only if you have nice things to say. And we got a couple reviews, actually. We did, Chris. I'm going to read one from Boxcar underscore 16. Appreciate the review. Titled, You Guys Rock. Love listening to your podcast and the chemistry you guys have is awesome. I will confess I skipped through the intro pretty much every episode. Super (laughs) pumped to hear Harmon on the show here and there as well as the occasional goalie talk. Keep up the good work. Okay. I, I, I thought it was like the intro is like our part. We're like the first eight minutes of the show. I thought we had another Derek on our hands, but five star review still. So that's good. Got, uh, let me read another one too. Let's read a few. I got, cause now that we finally remembered to open up one from Wendy Yo, uh, or Wendy O. Uh, I love the mix of chat and hockey. Highly recommend five stars. That's a, that's a great review. Got one from Jose from Vancouver, who is, uh, a regular texter to the show on Saturday as well. Shout out Jose. His, uh, I'm just going to read this. Haven't read it before yet. This is a long one. As a long-suffering Vancouver Canucks fan who grew up cheering for the team over many decades, players come and go, and so do members of the media. Chris Faber from Nanaimo and David Quadrelli from Butnaby uh, <laughs> com- combined lighthearted banter. I don't know if even that's just a mistake or a big fun. Food talk sprinkle of the honesty and fair analysis of the Vancouver Canucks. They remind me of a few guys who could have a few laughs and have a having a drink and munching on a burger while talking about Canucks, a chicken burger, perhaps quads like we did the other day with Harmon. Thanks, Jose. We appreciate that. Got one ear. Faber is superior is the name of the title. <laughs> uh, the and the, the five star review. Appreciate that. Wickle kid. And it says Yolevi would have been picked up on waivers. So this review is only for favor. Remember, <laughs> we had that argument a long oh, time man. ago. Man, Good times. Thought also, Yolevi sucked last night, which was awesome to see. Yeah, I was right again. So thanks for the review anyway, even though you're wrong, but we appreciate it. Well, there's it. a good one for you here. Goalie talk from Bex in 27. Yeah, someone just says talk post integration to me. Yeah, they wrote five stars, more goalie talk. Talk yeah. post integration to me. All right. Good Amazing. stuff there. Appreciate the reviews. Oh, we got another one. Sorry, we can't just skip this. Okay. This is another one. Hey, guys, been meaning to write a review for a while, but always forget. 
As always, you guys put out some great content, even if it comes off a little fanboyish at times. Faber, always enjoy the prospect analysis, going all the way back to your days on the old stick and rink pod. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. Even if it is a little fanboyish sometimes. It's a little fanboyish sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I just think of like how fun this show is. We just and, have fun. And our job could be with if the Canucks are good. Though. We want the Canucks to be good. Oh, like, we're yes. just going to say it. We're not like, oh. Like, yeah, we don't cheer in the press box and no, we don't cheer God. when they score. Damn, dude, it would but be man, fun. Man, it'd be more fun. I keep cheating like there's a camera there. There's no camera anymore. No. But it would be fun. It would be way more fun to cover a winner. It's always more oh, fun to gosh. cover a winner. Yeah, so if that's fanboy, whatever. Yeah, and also, we were, people were ready to put us up on a cross when freaking uh, Jim Benning was Jesus? getting fired. Yeah, like they were ready to execute us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, I guess a cross is a weird way to say that. But you yeah. know what I mean? Like they were ready to get the firing squad out when get we were talking about out. Jim Benning. Yeah. They were ready to dagger us. Yeah, we were about to get daggered. Back in the nine All right, we're closing this out. That's enough, right? Yeah, we're good? So. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Remember to rate and view. I really appreciate that as well. Everybody who says nice things. We'll read things. some. We'll read some, we'll more, read some more if there's some good ones. If there's some more. Yeah, that I I yeah, that, I was excited to see that there was a Even a goalie in one in there. Even a goalie one. We appreciate it, folks. So for my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.